So Charles, we were talking uh, off mic just now about a mutual connection we have, Alpesh Patel. Yes, um, we worked with Alpesh uh, last year, um, looking at his emojis, and we were discussing the potential opportunity of combining Trumpet with his emojis. Uh, we couldn't reach um, a final solution, unfortunately, due to various reasons. But yeah, uh, great guy, good businessman, you know, taking over Africa, and uh, we hope to follow suit. I'm sure you do. Now, we were talking also about WhatsApp, Trumpet, um, and, and how you decide which one to use and for which thing. Tell me about that, because that was interesting to me. It was interesting to me that you, um, WhatsApp is sort of like a personal network for you, and, and Trumpet's like for business. How, how do you come to that uh, determination for yourself? Well, obviously, I am slightly biased, being um, a director in Trumpet. But for me, I've always had a personal email address, which I've had my whole life. And when I get, to, I don't have to check that all the time. I, uh, well, my whole life since uh, the internet started. <laughs> I don't check that all the time. I'm oh, you certainly do predate the internet, I'm sure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and so I use my personal email address in the sense that I don't check it all the time. It's not, for me, an immediate response. Um, and I'll check it in the evening or I'll check it in the morning and that's it. Uh, with work email, obviously, uh, it requires uh, a much uh, quicker response time. For me, with WhatsApps, I switch all notifications off. I utilize Trumpet as my communication tool with, um, with uh, business partners, businesses, uh, etc. And that, for me, that requires immediate uh, response. And so you're not one of those people who get annoyed if, if people communicate with you in terms of business on WhatsApp. Because I've got a mate, for example, who can't stand WhatsApp calling, considers it almost offensive. Uh, I don't know what, what etiquette demands these days in terms of whether or not you, you should feel free to contact someone via, via WhatsApp. But do you play by those rules at all? No, not at all. Um, for, for me, if someone sends me an SMS, I'll SMS them back. If they send me a trumpet message, I'll trumpet them back. If they send me a WhatsApp, I'll WhatsApp, WhatsApp them back. But I think people get to know what the other person feels. I mean, there are certain realities in VoIP calling. If you're WhatsApp calling or trumpet calling, you know, there's certain realities involved. But the other person, of course, is also he needs decent internet access, so he also can potentially be paying. The call can not always be as clear as GSM. So if it's, I, I actually do use a mantra. If, if a call is very important, I will make it over GSM. Right. Okay, so we're going to come back to Trump, but you'll tell me a little more about that. And uh, messaging in general, uh, social platforms in general, we'll come to all of that. In the meantime, firstly, you know, tell me a little bit about your background and how you end up uh, with a career in tech and eventually a, a, a sub-career within messaging and, 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 and social networks and that kind of thing. You really want to, It's not that interesting, my background. Okay. Well, then make it quick. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, give, give, it, give us as much or as little as you, as you like. Okay, so um, I got involved in tech. We, I, I went to England, um, and I stayed there for two years, and I worked in advertising. I came back to South Africa, and that's actually when I got my email address. What year is this? Ooh. Probably 2000s, somewhere around there. Um, internet had just come out. We were living with, uh, we were living with a friend of ours, and um, he had a, a dial-up line. We all got Yahoo email addresses, got on with our lives. I came back to South Africa. Um, I joined up with a couple of friends and we started a wireless ISP, one of the first to come out in South Africa, using 2.4 gigahertz wireless point-to-point links. At that time, you could only get DigiNet lines through telecom. You're paying something like 5,000 rand a month. We could give them 64K, 128K access, uh, which sounds ridiculous now. But uh, uh, I'm nearly weeping. <laughs> 
but what people got was permanent internet access at a flat rate. Um, and then I came up to Johannesburg. I joined up with um, Fastcom, which is uh, uh, who I'm still with today. Um, and um, we roll, rolled out a network of one of the first wireless networks before 3G in South Africa called the Centec My Wireless Network. Um, that didn't really work out as according to plan. Um, the, net, uh, the cellulars rolled out 3G and they just yeah, covered everywhere, had the, had, the, had the money and the time to do it. And, um, and uh, yeah, that's how I got involved in tech. And since then, we have been with Fastcom. Um, when we've been, we roll out different technologies. Some of them are very successful. Some of them aren't as successful. Interesting what you're talking about in terms of 3G sort of flattening you guys like a, a bus might flatten a pedestrian. But uh, I'm, I'm wondering if you, you might think perhaps a technology like LTE has the potential to do that for, say, Wi-Fi. Um, I wouldn't say so. I mean, Wi-Fi wi wi is an extension of your main network coming in. So Wi-Fi is your local area network, which you link to your wide area network. So for instance, in this office, you might link your wide area network through ADSL, through fiber, or through LTE, and then you'll spread that through to the rest of the office through your Wi-Fi. Rian over at Ruckus is going to love your answer because that's what he, he, he maintains that they really are just a supplementary network to, and, uh, and not in competition in any way to, to the mobile telcos or the, the fixed line telcos. I'd agree with him completely. All right, well, that's uh, by the by. Tell me what you think your career might have looked like had you had to start your career in 2016. Also, an interesting uh, element about you is that you're a social science major. You, you, you didn't come up um, uh, studying anything to do, I, I'd imagine, with, with tech or, you know, in, in the traditional sense. So, you know, what would your career have looked like? Or what would have been different about you starting out, say, in 2016? that, you know, compare that to having started out back in 2000? Well, when I, di well, I did have uh, an IT course when I studied, and I quickly learned that I was never going to be a developer. So that's actually, I mean, I remember sitting there trying to develop a program, and the guy next to me did it in like half an hour, and I was there for three days. And I realized very quickly then that the, my strengths didn't lie in that area. Um, if I, had to, if I was starting today, I, have, I really cannot say where it would lead because things are changing so quickly. I mean, I, I look at my, my daughter who, who's not, not even, you know, she's only 12 at the moment. And I, I look at her, wonder what she, she asked me, what do you think she should do? And I actually cannot say. You know, it's such a challenge in today's world for, for people to come through and find their space their space in, a, in, in the business world. And what are they actually going to offer? What can they offer? Um, are they a people's person? Are they uh, more IT related? Are they business side? Um, and the businesses are changing. Our hierarchical structure is gone. Um, our, uh, your, your path through a business you know, is long gone. You don't didn't start at the bottom and work your way to the top. So I, I, I can honestly say I don't know how, I, how it would be because every year it changes um, very quickly. So what advice would you give to someone who perhaps just graduated from UCT like you, uh, has a social science degree, but aspires to a career within tech uh, and clearly won't get in based on a certain skill set, but does have an interest and perhaps the aptitude to, to succeed in the field. What would you say to someone like that? I would say choose your, choose your area. Are you in the technical area or are you not? And I would find an industry that you have an interest in 
and I would go and do as much investigation as you possibly can. Everything's there now on, on, on the, uh, the World Wide Web. You can see everything. You can find everything. You can read everything. You can read historical cases. Um, you can read about companies that started and have been around for five years or highly successful in the first two and then now are non-existent. And I would go to the, the companies or, or the products that you find an interest in and approach them and say, listen, this is why I'm interested in you. This is what I'd like to do. Do you have internships? Can I start off? Uh, get your foot in the door. Because once your foot's in the door and you learn what, they, what people are doing and what they're doing, it's, uh, then it's not so complicated. From the outside, it's incredibly complicated. Um, but jobs, are, are jobs worldwide are, are, are a shortage. Um, so go. Do, do a lot of work before you go see the people. And when you see them, impress them. Um, and then they'll take you on. What about this trend towards, and I'm thinking about your 12-year-old now, uh, this trend towards trying to make sure that children, even as young as six years old, are accessing skills such as programming and that kind of thing. Do you think that's important, or do you think that's uh, a little overblown in terms of people's uh, enthusiasm to, to push kids in that direction? Um, I think they should definitely have access to technology and understand wh how technology affects their lives. So they should be using phones. Not they don't need to have a phone and they don't need to utilize it all the time, but there's no harm in them using a phone for a period of time a day, using a computer for a period of time a day. They need to be able to use these tools. These are tools that they need to understand to be able to use. Um, if you take my father and put him in our business world today, He's challenged. He, he doesn't know how to use a computer and, doesn't know how to, and he hardly knows how to do anything other than make a call on his cell phone. So he, you, you need, your children need to understand and utilize the tools of the modern day age and they need to keep, they keep going with that, I believe. That makes you interesting in another way because uh, a lot of the, the entrepreneurs and certainly tech players that I speak to, many of them come from a, either entrepreneurial background or a background where their parents were sort of maybe early adopters in their generation of certain technologies and that kind of thing. But by the sound of it, it doesn't sound like you came from that kind of family. No. Um, my father was in logistics and uh, worked in logistics, and that's tracking, uh, in his chart, tracking and shipping. And in his day, there wasn't, there wasn't that. Um, I was at boarding school. Um, we, weren't, we never had phones or anything like that. Um, yeah, so I just picked it up as, as it came out. You mentioned earlier you're a director at Fastcom, a company that uh, is famously backed by South African billionaire Patrice Mutsepe as well. Uh, you're also the MD of the mobile lifestyle app Trumpet. Let's talk first about Fastcom. Are you a shareholder? Yes, I'm a shareholder, yeah. So how does a, a, a business like Fastcom land what many would deem a, a dream investor like Patrice Mutsepe? Uh, Patrice came on board um, in, when Fastcom was around with the Centec uh, deal. Um, and that's when he really was um, fully on board. Uh, and then he's he, he is now a shareholder as per that. And Swascom has made some successful uh, transactions since then. Um, and that's how, yeah, that's how he came on board. So what, what would you say is Fastcom's primary business? Fastcom builds, develops their own products and solutions for what they believe there is a, there's a gap in the market and then they'd run with those solutions and, and like I said some are successful and some are, some are not as successful but luckily we've had enough to be successful that we've been around for over now 15 years. And so how many of them like Trumpet are, are ideas that you actually take to market yourself, brand yourself and take to market yourself? Most of them are, are, are like that. Tell me whether you know having that sort of caliber of investment partner or shareholder in the mix 
uh, gives you, you know, puts pressure on you to succeed, you know, perhaps pressure that you might not have otherwise encountered, say, if you were bootstrapping the business. Um, I don't, luckily, I don't deal directly in that side of the business. So I'd find it very difficult to answer that. Okay, fair enough. I think it's fair to say, though, that uh, speaking now specifically about Trumpet, um, that the, you know, the app building craze on the continent, I think, is dying down. And uh, somewhat, I mean, relative to, say, a year or two ago where there were hackathons everywhere and anyone who wasn't building an app wasn't cool. What sort of pressure do you feel now specifically in terms of Trumpet? Do you feel for that app not to be just another app in the app store? Well, we, we quickly realized. So we, we, we looked at um, our first challenge. We wanted to change the communication labs landscape. So, but we wanted to change the communication landscape and at the same time do something for people um, and solve a problem. So, so we, we developed the chat and the, and the talk with our partners. So you can trumpet to trumpet for free. You can do all your full chat functionality. But also in Trumpet, we also built a full marketing uh, loyalty and campaign uh, digital system. So all the business can promote themselves into Trumpet for free. And if they want to make offers, they can put, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll pay us a monthly fee. Uh, we went out to 1,000 businesses, 950 said, yes, that's a great idea. We like it. We, we want to do it. So within Trumpet, you can find all the businesses around you, and the businesses are able to talk to the community. It's no longer now you can build an app and it goes out there for a while, like wildfire, and everyone downloads it and says this is fantastic. It's a, there are no more gimmicks in apps. They have to solve a problem. So the first problem we solved was the, um, the fact that businesses can communicate with the, the, their communities. And the second one we've been very focused on recently is um, the security channels that we've built. And in South Africa, we've approached uh, the most of Pretoria, large parts of Joburg, Port Elizabeth, uh, Cape Town, all the residents associations and, and um, CPFs, community policing forums, and, we say, and we've given them product that can solve their current problem. And if, if I, d- I don't even think it has to be an app, but if something is not solving a problem, people don't have the time for it. What is the business model, though? How does this make Fastcom money? So w- we, we gain consumers by solving their problems, and uh, we allow merchants to promote themselves to those consumers, and we, we generate income from the merchants. What's the business acquisition cycle like? Today, in fact, if you go and download Trumpet, you'll get version 2. So we're now going, we, we've approached um, a lot of the CPFs and residents association countrywide, and we said, please don't approach all your residents as yet, because we're waiting for our, our version 2 product to come out. And um, I said, but as of next week, we'll say, please go go to all your residents. And then say in Pretoria, we'll get X amount of residents. Uh, we've partnered up with one of the, um, we're just finalizing agreements, so I can't mention any names, but one of the big IT players in South Africa um, who deals sp- uh, specifically with lots of SMEs. And um, we say they're going to be promoting Trumpet, the Trumpet uh, merchant uh, platform to their merchants. Um, and they will go out there and say, look, in Pretoria, we have X amount of users. You can market yourselves here at this great rate. Uh, because we, we're looking at, at um, offering us a, a service of businesses one, because right now they're struggling to promote themselves, unless you're very large and you can go on TV like the big players. But other than that, the, ma- the general businesses find it very difficult to tell people what is happening and tell them what, what their offers are or even just whether they're fully booked or, or anything. So we offer them a great, we offer them 299 rand a month, and they can come on board and they can have as many offers um, as many specials, or they can just tell people on a digital blackboard what they're actually doing. So why would they not use what's already out there, uh, run Facebook campaigns or Twitter campaigns, Google ads and that kind of thing? What's the, what's the big sell on, on, on your platform? Uh, the big sell is that you're talking to people in your area. 
specifically. It's sort of been proven, well not proven, but it's a, it's a general uh, accepted that if you're going to a local business, you're not going to travel more than five kilometers as the crow flies. So if you need to go to your hardware store, your doctor, your dentist, your restaurant, your coffee shop, you're not going to go and drive 20 kilometers. So with us, uh, it's geolocated. It comes what's happening around me and everything around you comes up. And the community, know, the community um, is already on trumpet uh, due to the security channels. And then they see what's happening at the businesses around them. Okay, so it sounds expensive, I think, to, to sort of sign up all these businesses and then what hopefully in, the, in turn get them to sign up their, their customers. No, we sign up the customers first. Okay, so you go to to me as an end user and incentivize me to, well, encourage me to, to download the app? You, you in theory should download the app for the security or for the ward channel that we're building. Um, and um, and then you'll go, oh, well, what's happening around me? And you say, oh, look at that, that coffee shop around the corner. Uh, there's the doctor. There's the dentist. Um, there's the restaurant. And you look at that. Okay, so explain the security aspect. So I download the app, I benefit from security, how? Okay. So what the security channel does is currently the challenges that the CPFs um, and the residents associations or any security association is facing is communication. They initially started out sending emails, but long and tedious. If you take some areas where you have over 20,000 people, sending out 20,000 emails is uh, convoluted and difficult and then you get these endless responses and i'm also part of a one uh, whatsapp group for my for my area which is highly annoying well that's exactly it so and then and then people started using whatsapp now whatsapp is a great product um, and it's being utilized in this case for not specifically what it's designed for whatsapp is an instant messaging platform that works brilliantly uh, when uh, the, the one uh, area of concern it has is for, it only has 256 members per group. So when you go to the larger areas, they have like some, some groups, some areas have over 20 WhatsApp groups. And someone's trying to manage all of this. Um, and then also um, the information going through, it's instant messaging, it's ping, ping, ping. Somebody at the top says, we saw two suspicious uh, people in a white a golf. Someone else says, have you seen my cat, Toby? And the messages go on and on and on. And it'll eventually say, it's going in one, one ear and out the other. Um, and, that, and that's a challenge with it. And those are the two issues we've overcome. With Trumpet, the Trumpet Security Channel, you can go join it. You can have um, uh, as many users as you want. Uh, and uh, so you can get up to 10,000 users on the same security channel. That we crowdsource the information so that the, the, um, the man on the street can put his information in. The CPF that controls it can say, yes, I'm happy with that. I'm going to allow that through. I'm going to allow that through. I'm going to allow that through. Because there's obviously certain things you don't want to be posting. Uh, pictures of people, for instance. Um, and then that message gets pushed out to everybody. You as a consumer at the same time have the ability to go and comment and say, oh, I also saw that car. Oh, I also saw that car. You can geolocate the information. Um, and you also can say that I, I only want to view certain types of crime. I uh, only want to get pinged on something that like suspicious behavior. Everything else I'll go look at when I'm ready. So you're not having this constant uh, information being pushed at you, which is at an Im inappropriate time for you. You choose when you want to, when you want to see it and how you want to see it. It sounds like Slack almost, but then I, I see some differences in as far as, uh, uh, you know, being kept out of certain conversations you don't want to be a part of, or certainly not being notified about, about every single thing that comes through a certain channel. Yes, I mean, th th that's exactly it. We want the um, consumers to choose what they want. And it's all about what, what the consumer... If, if, you're, if, you're, if you have a product that you don't like and is annoying you, you're going to switch it off for that particular use case. So, so, so we've tried to overcome that and say, well, you choose what you want to get through. And when you're sitting at home one night and you've got time and you want to see everything that's happening around you, 
you can go and switch those back on and you can view it. You can view it on, on um, nicely view topical information. And then you can also view all the incidents on a map. And you can say, oh, okay, well, actually, now I'm getting a big, I get a picture now of what is happening in my area and what is going on. Um, and also what we're allowing, uh, what we've been asked to do by the CPFs and we're doing it now, is that the guy, so you get all the different CPFs and in some sectors, in some areas you have seven sectors because they're so large. And we allow the guy at the top who sits at the Gauteng information, he can pull all that information up and he can generate reports of everything that's happened around in the whole of Pretoria, for instance. And then he can sit there and he can say, right, this is what's happened. And the CPFs work very closely with the police. And then they can say, right, we have this and you have this. Where's the discrepancy and why is there a discrepancy? And uh, is there a discrepancy? Maybe it's all perfect, but we're giving a some, some voice back to the people on the streets. So what kind of volumes are necessary for this to be a business success? Okay, because it obviously sounds like a great idea, as was M-Pesa, as was M4 Jam. <laughs> yeah, Money for Jam was a great idea. This sounds like a great idea. What sort of metrics, uh, what sort of success metrics are you tracking feverishly? Um, Right now, we're still, in the, we're still in the build phase. We believe we have a solution, and we believe that's a solution that people need. We haven't sat in front of any residents' association, community police forum, or security company who said, go, this is no good. The metrics will be in the long run, um, and you have to walk, walk the path, and you have to get numbers on, and, and there'll, be time, there'll be a long time before you're generating income and before you actually get there. I mean, if, even if you look at WhatsApp, for instance, right now, you know, they're not actually pushing any advertising at you to generate income. So you don't, we don't, most people don't pay for their WhatsApp service. So we know we've got to walk a path. Uh, we know it's going to be a challenging path, but we've factored it in. Uh, we have ideas of the numbers we've got to reach. They're not f interesting enough. They're not that too challenging. Um, sometimes it's more focused in areas uh, rather than spread uh, around, around uh, very thinly. So yeah, we've got a long way to go, but we're, we, we've got the resources to do it. And so what kind of runway, speaking of resources, what kind of runway does Fastcom offer a great idea like this that may take, like WhatsApp, who knows how many years before it even turns a single, a single rand or dollar? Um, at the moment, uh, look, it's not a never-ending runway, uh, without a doubt. But every, 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 every time we offer a new product and we get, we get the inputs and we get the users downloading it and we get more usage and then we get the businesses involved, every step of the way, you know, uh, we're, we're allowed to continue. Uh, if we hit a brick wall, then we hit a brick wall. Because yeah, it can be argued that certain businesses we've seen start to fail more recently. Let's take Impesa, for example, which uh, might have been given more opportunity to succeed than it should have, given I think they were trying to go for a certain, you know, certain uh, number of uh, active users in three years. It took them six years, and they were nowhere near even a pinprick of, 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 the, of the target. At which point do the conversations in your organization turn to, listen, guys, maybe this is a waste of time. Maybe it's a great idea, but not worth um, throwing money at. Let's, let's put our resources elsewhere. What kind of conversations go around in that, in that space, you know, at Fastcom, at, at Trumpet? We, we generally have them on, on, on targets, but it's not necessarily download targets or revenue targets. So it's like deal targets. We, we, we now have on the table a deal with a large worldwide international discounter who wants to rebrand Trumpet and utilize as their own app. So the moment you start getting that sort of traction, from, from, and they, they have 6 million clients, um, and we, we're also in discussions with one of the uh, big um, African telco players. You know, we're, we're, we're there and thereabouts. So we look at things like that happen, and you tick a big box. 
that things like that happen, you tick another big box, and then and then you go into the next step. So Trumpet as a standalone brand is not. We haven't put all our eggs into one basket in that case. Yeah, and I'm asking this question really on behalf of uh, startup founders who are listening to this this conversation, who who are currently bootstrapping their operations and have to make m- much. Probably in a much less enviable position than you are. You obviously clearly uh, have the backing, financial backing, support, and maybe access to markets that the average startup, say, working in a co-working space somewhere in Joburg or a crowd or Ghana or or Lagos, doesn't have. So, how how different would the decisions you'd be making be if you were bootstrapping this operation? Well, in a way, in some ways we are bootstrapping in. Me, as, I, I myself as a shareholder, um, you, you still have to uh, potentially put money in, or your shares reduce, uh, you dilute. So you know those are cha- daily challenges. Well, not daily challenges. Those are challenges that come up in period of time. I just think you have to be very aware of your market, and you have to accept certain things. The 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 big players out there, and the, you've got the banking world, insurance world the retail world, the telco world, and, and, and et cetera. And you, these are big players. They're not going away. So I believe whatever you build, you, you need to bear them in mind. Don't, don't take them head on. You know, give them a solution at the same time. Um, where you, especially for when you're coming from Africa. So come from Africa and get out is extremely hard. It's easier to go to America and build it there. Uh, you know, there's, a, there's a lot more appetite for, for growth and that sort of thing. Um, so I mean, we I read in the papers and, and articles of, of you know startups. They're here, they're gone. I mean, you spoke about Mpesa. I mean, Mpesa was incredibly successful in Kenya with Safaricom. It had a big partner backing it. Um, it, it, it had a di- it was solving an exact problem that Kenyans were facing. They brought it into South Africa. It had a big partner backing it, but it obviously the the same problems didn't exist in South Africa. Um, and uh, and therefore it didn't gain that market that it was necessary. And also timing. I mean, at the same time, if you look at Impesa, there were no, every every single company, large brand, was throwing out a mobile banking solution. Um, so it faced a lot more competition. So let's talk about this world, an interesting time we live in, because um, no one seems content to stay in their lane. You've got Facebook that doesn't want to be called a, a social media platform anymore. Google's now Alphabet, whatever that is. Uh, or whatever that's meant to mean. Mobile telcos are becoming serious mobile money players, like you've mentioned. Um, so how does this determine, how does this influence your strategy and, and what you decide to build, in which direction you decide to build? I mean, you, you mentioned WhatsApp, a great messaging platform. On some level, you are too. Um, Slack is doing incredible things, or you know, so that's, I guess, arguable, depending who you speak to. Um, there's a number of disruptive players. There's WhatsApp, there's Skype, there's slack and there's trumpet you know what i mean and granted there's there's potential but how does this influence your strategy okay so we so first off we we're not we are focusing on south africa to solve local south african problems so for people on the ground so for you and me living here it's got to solve a problem for us so that's where we are the whatsapps um and the slacks they are global platforms right um who who are focusing on like whatsapp is just instant messaging currently um, they do have an agreement. Obviously, they're owned by Facebook. So if you start WhatsApping about you thinking of going to London, I would imagine you're going to start seeing adverts on Facebook about flights to London, um, which is you know, probably already happening. Um, whereas we're solving local problems. So we're not taking on WhatsApp. I'm not asking you to replace your or delete WhatsApp from your phone and put Trumpet in there. 
Um, we believe every app will have some form of communication. Otherwise, it's just a mobile website. Um, if, if you have no communication or at least forums, whatever, whatever it is, whether it's a sporting app for Premier League football, you want to be able to talk to people. Otherwise, you're just reading the website in a different format. Um, so we believe everything will have communication in it. We had communication because we need, it crosses over our three areas of, uh, of our marketing platform and our security channel and our channels for security and wards. Um, so we You've said wards before. What's, what's a ward? So a ward, what we're building is um, there, there are over 3,000 wards in South Africa, and each is run by a councillor. So it's the wards that are voted for ANC, EFFDA, and that's an, an area of land and, and where people live. And then uh, if you have a problem in your ward, you would go to your councillor, and you would say, um, this isn't working or that's not working. In theory, the councillor is meant to have everything fixed um, or, or pushed to have it fixed. So right now what happens if you have a problem with electricity, you go to ESCOM and everyone's going individually in all different areas. So say your streetlights aren't working. You know, you might report them, but you have no idea if anyone else has reported them. They might have never been reported. You might not report them because you think actually someone else is going to report them. So we're building a channel for the wards uh, where you can uh, very simply by clicks of buttons say, this is, I've got a power problem or I've got a pothole problem or I've got a water pipe problem or I've got a refuse problem, geolocate you, Quick information in there, bang, you report to the incidents. And we allow, we allow all uh, ward councillors to take advantage of that information that's being put in there, and they can do what they want with it. It also generates a lot of information about your area, about where you live. You can look on there and say, you're cheapers. Now, look, it's not just me. Look at all the different things that are happening here. We must put more pressure on the ward councillor to actually do something. And it lets people see what's happening. Because right now, we're a little bit voiceless as a, as a, as a community. We... we, 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 you know, we, we We'll talk about things, but we actually don't know. Um, and we'll, so this, this will be able to generate stats and say, all right, this is what's happening in your area. Gotcha. All right, then. Uh, something to you alluded to earlier, the, the fact that something like Mpesa was backed. You guys are backed. Uh, many startups out there are not. Um, given the, 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 the traction you've enjoyed in other spaces, the relationships you have via your investment team, via your shareholders, you're obviously in a, in a relatively... Um, uh, in a relatively comfortable position as far as being a platform that allows startups to develop, right? So my question to you is how important is being backed for success? You alluded to it earlier, uh, but I mean, how, how important is being backed, having the right sort of access to, to resources, uh, influences, markets to try stuff out? Uh, how important has that been in your career so far and for, and for Trumpet? It, it's very important. Um, you need different types of people to, to, to get uh, a product built, get it marketed, get it backed, get it sold, get it partnered up with people, with relationships. Um, I think it's incredibly important. You can have the best idea. It can disappear. No one hear about it. So it's fair to say that um, as great as an idea as you believe Trumpet is, chances are very good that if you didn't enjoy that that you know, you didn't have in place the things you just described probably wouldn't work? Yes. I can, you can have the best idea if you can't build it. Uh, people, uh, no, you're no longer um, promoting things on a, on, a, on a PowerPoint business plan. You, ne you need the business plan and the product. It almost needs to be built. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, someone else is going to build it. And then you also need some market traction because others say, well, how do we know it works? Would you go as far as saying to some uh, developer listening to us right now, You've got this great idea, but you clearly don't have the capacity to build it right now. Don't build it until you do. 
don't try get started or, or line those ducks up in a row first or what would you say i would say build it and then take it to somebody who you believe has the right relationships to be able to get that product working Fair enough. So now let's go back to something you said that um, the trumpet is at the stage where it's it's garnering this attention from from other players that are looking possibly to license it, rebrand it, etc. How much of that was the the plan from the beginning? How much how much time and energy did you guys go put into creating uh, something I'd imagine is at this point proprietary? Uh, we all uh, we we always built it on standards so that it could be rebranded because we were always aware that potentially our brand wasn't the right brand to go with. Uh, potentially the brand might be a telco, a bank, a retailer, uh, depending which country you go to. Um, so we're, we've always had the outlook that we, can we would be potentially rebranding it. And so do you think that's something uh, startup founders could, can learn from, uh, something they should think about whenever they build something? Should, should that sort of mindset be driving how you build, what you build, with that in mind? In most cases, I would say yes. You would definitely have to keep in mind that um, your brand, your, 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 the problem that you're solving is, is what is, is the business, not the brand that sits on top of it. So I would always keep an open mind on that. Um, the, uh, the, the days when uh, Facebook started and it just went through the world, like those days are pretty much over, I would say. Um, so I would, be, I would build good technology that solves some, some problem for consumers or for businesses. I would also very clearly see where, you're, where you are. Are you a business to business? Or are you business to consumer? Are you business to business to consumer? And understand that and then talk to the right players in those areas. Are you suggesting that the whole unicorn concept might be dying slowly? No, I don't think so. I just think it'll be interesting to see what the next unicorn is. I asked this question recently in another interview. If I, if we were down to the last million dollars in South Africa, the last million dollars for the continent of Africa, and it was on you to spend it on an area in tech, <laughs> what would you do with it? The world and the continents is watching with bated breath. You're on reality t television, <laughs> beaming to the continent right now. We want to see what you're going to do with this money. I spent it all on trumpet and I'd change my name. <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I think you have to be realistic and, and I would, gee, a million dollars isn't a lot of money. I know it's not a lot of money. It's also just enough money to do something incredible if you do it right, but probably not enough to do something if you mis-execute or don't execute correctly. Well, I, I would I'd have to say, I think... Uh, you would have to look at something in the tech world to look at one of, the, one of the major problems in Africa, which is food and water. And I would have to say you've got to look in that direction. Okay, I can dig that. And so coming back to uh, you know, the, the, the world you currently inhabit, this mobile lifestyle uh, thing. I mean, this is, this is what you guys call the app, right? A, a mobile lifestyle app. I'm not quite sure what that means. Uh, maybe in explaining what you consider the, 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 the big trends or what you think the big trends uh, you know, in in social and messaging and uh, in platform building, as far as apps is concerned, what do you consider the big things, and what what on earth is a mobile is a mobile lifestyle app in your in your view? So when we started, we felt that um, you're not going to download 500 apps, and if you do, you're not going to use 500 apps. So uh, we felt you needed to aggregate aggregate the apps a little bit more, and um, 
when we say mobile lifestyle, it's literally we want people to pick up their phone and say, what is happening around me? So you'll be able to see all the types of businesses you see, recreational and bu and business-to-business -business businesses and um, hospitals, doctors, lawyers, see all of that and see what they're doing and how they and communicate with them through the same app. Uh, look at your security situation, um, which is a hot topic in Africa at the moment and South Africa especially. Uh, look at your wards and how you're dealing with um, the the your your um, uh, political party, who your councillor is, whether you vote for them or not vote for them doesn't matter. You can still you still have a say, um, and that's in one place. And you're literally so you can immerse yourself in one place and say, okay, I can get all that information. All of it has an effect on my life. It makes my life easier. I can see what's happening down the road without going there and reading the blackboard from the business on the street. I can create a security incident. I can create a, um, a, a ward incident such as um, a faulty pavement or uh, there's a car broken down on my road. It's been there for three weeks. Um, so I actually have a say. So the lifestyle is everything. It's a digital lifestyle because it's all from your phone. Um, and obviously in the channels, we can have any channels. We can have, um, we're going to be doing it with the, you'll be able to find your local newspaper and read it uh, from your phone. Um, and uh, you'll be able to find your next door next door, uh, next door uh, areas local newspaper and read it from your phone listening to you I, it almost feels like I'm speaking to someone at Facebook <laughs> well we've just come from the other end I, I don't think I don't think the big players are ever going to solve the direct problems in each country and in fact they've been asked unless they acquire you guys or, 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 or partner in some way you never know I, I, I highly doubt it they look at it from a global point of view we're just coming from the, from the grassroots up I mean, there is a meeting point in the middle of some sort. Um, but um, those companies have been asked to solve local problems. And why is WhatsApp being used to solve the try to solve the security problem in South, in, in South Africa at the moment, you know, the communication problem? It's because they don't, they, 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 it's not a big enough problem for them. You, you, you know, that's not their business. Yeah, and uh, Facebook being taken to task for prioritizing terrorist attacks in a certain country, but not, say, uh, you know, the disappearance of, of, of or human trafficking in another. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so given that, what, what sort of big trends do you anticipate in that space to see? I mean, put your futurist cap on. What do you expect to see in the future? The future you're obviously positioning to be a part of. What, what, do, you, what do you expect? First off, one of the things that's, that um, has to happen and how quickly it happens will be very interesting to see is the, is the um, pervasiveness of smartphones. Um, there is still a big challenge in Africa for, uh, for that. I mean, they're still producing lots of feature phones. Um, and um, the cost of your, the, your internet, so the sort of digital divide, which is slowly but surely being overcome. And I see everybody using their phones hourly for whatever reason it suits them at that point in time. So you've got your communication. You want to know everything that's happening around you. You want to see what's happening in the place you're going to. And I think that, that phones are, are overtaking uh, laptops, etc. Um, there's a lot of tablets going out there, which are big phones. Um, and I, I believe people will be running their lives from their mobile devices. Okay, so you're, you're betting on mobile. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Okay, so it's downhill from here now, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Nah, this is going to be easy. If you had to dress in one color for the rest of your life, what color would that be? Blue. Blue, like everything blue. So you had your car had to be blue, the sky had to be blue. Everything you saw had to be that color. Do you want to rethink the color? No. 
Okay. I have a picture and it's not nice, but I'll stick with it. Okay, cool. So we live in a blue world, clearly. And um, what do you snack on? What are, you, what are your favorite snacks? Uh, biltong and oranges. <laughs> biltong and oranges. Okay, so it's pretty healthy. Okay. Are you health? Are you given to health? And uh, taking care of yourself like that, or I try, I try hard, but it's it's uh, that's that's actually challenging. Hey, but and for for listeners of ours who are, who, who might not be familiar with uh, South African uh, languages, biltong, of course, is jerky. I think in the US they call it uh, basically dried meat. Does sounds disgusting when you you know, but it's actually quite tasty. Yeah, no, it's very tasty. I, uh, I suggest you try it if you haven't tried it. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned uh, your daughter is uh, you, you have an only child. Now I've got two children, daughter. a daughter and a son. Cool. Were, and how many kids did, were you when you, you came up? When I was growing up, three. There's three of you, and where do you feature? Let me guess, actually. Uh, you were the firstborn. No, I was the lastborn. Are you the lastborn? Uh, two sisters, always looked after me. Wow, you, you actually give me firstborn vibes. I'm a lastborn, so I, I have, I'm usually quite good at, at picking them out. No, lastborns are always the best. We rock, man, we rock. All right, well, I mean, uh, oh, yes, I can't, I have to ask you this. Uh, do you listen to podcasts? I do, yeah. What do you listen to uh, on the regular? Um, I listen to tech. Um, I actually look, uh, interestingly enough, I've recently gone into um, Apple TV, and, um, and I, I go through all their channels on there, looking at the various things, sports, tech. Um, even my wife makes me watch the entertainment world of what's going on out there. Uh, and I do find them very, uh, very interesting, very useful. Okay, so finally, is there a question I haven't asked you uh, that you would like me to? So the only thing, and then I'll punt trumpet here, is if there's anyone out there who's interested in uh, in Africa or anywhere else in the world um, who's interested in talking to us, please give us a call, contact us. Um, if you want to please go and download it, have a look at it, ex- experience it, and uh, you never know, there may be... There, we've only just started. In fact, I've only I've been recently to Zimbabwe talking to a couple of large businesses up there who have an interest in, in rebranding it. Um, so we w- are trying to create a trumpet world. Um, we are looking at uh, uh, through the trumpet platform for, for for IoT, Internet of Everything. We're linking up cameras. We're linking up various devices, and we can link up anything that has a has a makes sense. So yeah, so please contact us. Um, well, actually, you've, you've got me thinking about another question that I want to, a follow-up question to what you've just said. How does that work, uh, the licensing of an idea like this? How, how would a business say in Zimbabwe uh, take this product, rebrand it? And how much support do you provide as the, as the base? So for a, uh, if we took a, uh, a large business in um, Zimbabwe, he wanted to, t- to promote Trumpet through, um, through their brand, we can rebrand it for them and we give them an app. That app can be standalone so that everyone has to download that or it can be part of the trumpet world so that if you've downloaded uh, Zimbabwe trumpet and I've downloaded South African trumpet, we can still chat to each other through the different apps and we can still call each other through the different apps. Where does that sit? Is it sitting in the cloud uh, and where is that administered? Who would yeah, we would administer it um, and we would have um, a license fee deal. License fee based on the number of users or what? Or straight up uh, royalty? It can be either. Depends on the needs of the and requirements of the client. So it comes right back to give them a call if you're interested. Sounds interesting. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you. Thank you for your time.